It's kind of fun to have to pull a stand up. <laughs> okay, then. I want to say hi to all those that are following us online. God bless you. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, my name is uh, Dave Wicks, and my wife Pat is sitting just back there by that television guy. Uh, we're glad to be back in Hillcrest. Uh, we had, uh, since 2015, we've kind of been away, and now we're back. And uh, it's been a privilege to come into a position that has been so lovingly built by Laura Blackman. Incredibly intimidating. Uh, I've had to learn how to do floral arrangements and paint. No, the, the care and the love that she invested in this congregation and in prayer. Thank you, Laura. It's a privilege. And uh, stay close. <laughs> I've got your phone number on speed dial. And then also, in a few weeks' time, I'll be stepping into the position that Dave Moore has so worked so hard in, uh, working in life groups. It's been a challenging time to do life group work because COVID kind of beat up on all kinds of things, and that was one of the casualties, was the ability to connect. And so he stayed faithful in that. And again, uh, we've become real friends, just spending time together. We both have kind of a, we like to tell people we're the Daves of your lives. But, uh, that's a good joke. I like that. I, it's the third time I've told it this morning, but uh, <laughs> I never watched that soap opera that used to be on TV, just so you know. Uh, <clears throat> but I want to introduce Pat. Uh, we've traveled a lot of life together. Uh, she's uh, been a faithful, loving, supporting partner, and uh, uh, she's had some health challenges of late. You know that she's gone through a, a thyroid surgery and all of those things, but she's getting better every day, and uh, we're thankful for God's blessing. We have uh, two kids. Uh, who, one is single, living in Edmonton, our daughter Katie, and then our son pastors in Grenfell, and they have four grandkids, and I just met someone this morning who uses the same uh, school connection that they do, and so that was kind of fun to make that connection this morning, but they're, they're uh, just starting a new adventure in their life in ministry. They're, Dave is doing one month, one Sunday a month preaching in a First Nations church on a reserve nearby. And he's got some missionary in him, so it's just a beautiful experience for him to be involved in that. Appreciate your prayers. So my, my piece today is to continue in the series of Walking with Jesus, and I've been asked to talk about spiritual disciplines. And uh, I, uh, I'm going to read an excerpt. There's a, a great book that is written if you ever want to dive deeper uh, it's called Celebration of Discipline by Foster, Richard Foster. And this is someone talking about his work. This is off the back cover of the book. I'll just read it, and it, it kind of uh, paints a good picture when you start thinking about things like spiritual discipline. Dividing the disciplines into three movements of the spirit, Foster shows how each of these areas contribute to a balanced spiritual life. Listen carefully. The inward disciplines of meditation and prayer, and fasting, and study offer avenues of personal examination and change, the inward disciplines. Secondly, the outward disciplines of simplicity, solitude, submission, and service help prepare us to make the world a better place. So the outward things that we do, the action parts of our life. And then finally, the corporate disciplines 
of confession and worship and guidance and celebration bring us nearer to and to one another and to God. So we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Uh, when I read this, <clears throat> excuse me, when I read this piece off the back of the book, um, it made me think of the discipleship pathway. You know, celebrate big, connect small, walk and walk with Jesus, uh, share the work, engage in mission, all those things. It's reflected in the in the look at spiritual disciplines. And so, let me just see here. So, if if you know this little song that I'm not going to sing, um, just fill in the blanks when I get to the end of the line. Uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll... <laughs> grow, 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 right? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And what's the negative side? Uh, don't read your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll... Okay, there's the complete study of spiritual disciplines. We'll just close in prayer now. and uh, <laughs> Well, not quite. Simple words that were sung by children in VBSs and campgrounds and Sunday schools all over North America for a season. But there's a lot of truth in the simplicity of it. That's how we actually grow. There's many, many reasons to practice spiritual disciplines. But as I spent my t time preparing for this, I thought of two, two components that I feel are absolutely huge reasons why we should have spiritual disciplines in our life. Um, reasons why we need to practice this, why we need to invest ourselves and our time and our effort, uh, we'll be saying more as we dive in, but it's not, you need to hear this right away. This is not about earning salvation or making God like you by doing these things. But it's really about the quality of the life that you're going to live, and it's going to be about how effective your efforts in serving God are going to be. They are, they are things that, in a sense, stand separate from the fact that he has died on the cross to pay for all of our sins, and when we embrace that, all of my sins are covered forever. End of story. I'm safe and secure in the arms of the grace that this provides. But there's responsibilities that we have that will cause us to go to a better and a deeper spot. <clears throat> so there's, there's two main points, and then underneath the first point, there's a couple little headings that I want to draw attention to. So number one, to walk close to Jesus, which produces a deep inner peace and joy and here's the punchline, regardless of circumstances. To walk in such a way with the Lord, so close in a relationship with him and so tied to him, that it gives me a, a, a deep inner peace and actually a great joy. Now, am I super with this? Well, no. I'm, my wife is here this morning, so I can't say too much about how good I am. But... <laughs> But even though I, I may land bad for a minute, there's this centering force in my life that brings me back and says, no, things are better because we're connected to Jesus. And point number two is to walk with Jesus in a holy way, to walk with purity. 
And we, as we do that, it releases an operational favor and blessing and anointing on what he's asked us to do. So if I walk in an honest way with God, with my heart open to him, it actually brings an anointing on our lives in the things that we do to serve him. Whatever that may be in the church, whatever you find a place to serve, if you want to serve the Lord, it'll require a walk that's honest and it's got purity in it. The first point defines who I am inside. It speaks of my inner life. It speaks of the quality of, our, of my Christian life. And actually, it points at maturity. And I want to just say that if you want to get a measure of what Christian maturity looks like in its finest sense, interact with the person who's going through really difficult circumstances in a hospital or something like that, who have around them and in them a sense of peace and joy that just doesn't make any sense, except that God is deep in their life. You know what? They're okay. That is a high indicator of real spiritual maturity. We, should, we often think about if we can have great impact and do all kinds of great stuff for God, but listen, if you strip it all down, it's what you're like when you land in a COVID experience. Do you have peace? Do you have joy in the midst? And it's been my privilege as a pastor to, to go to many hospital situations over the years to encourage the one who's sick and actually leave being encouraged by what I picked up from them. And I mean that with all sincerity. I've seen people on the edge of death with peace and joy within because they have this deep and wonderful relationship with Christ. So hang on to that. We'll come back around to that. Um, the last point, the second point, was to empower what I do, to have power, spiritual power, anointing Holy Spirit power on our life. Uh, that gentle dove requires that I walk honest with God. If I don't, I can still tell the stories and do all the stuff and be all prepared and go through all my material. But if God has not captured my heart, it will, not be have any, it will have no real effect. It will have no impact. And I know both sides of that equation in my lifetime. It's got to doing fulfilling your calling. All of us have a God-given job that we're to be doing. There's something that you have, some unique gifting that you have that God says, I want you to bring that into the game. I want you to come off the bench and come into the game with the gifting I've given you. But if you're going to do that, it will need the anointing of God to make it really work. And I would say that that kind of points at things of character. Uh, other people can even see some of that as they see where you're, where you're at in your character. And again, this is something incredibly, both these points are something very, very powerful and you need to hear this and hear it well. It grows out of a relationship. Ultimately, it's a relationship we have with God. That's the big deal, is what is your relationship with God like? It's not about keeping rules. It's not about keeping repetitive, cold, lifeless, religious uh, practices or procedures. It's relationship. It's absolutely relationship. Now, let's start. 
Number one, to walk close to Jesus, which produces a deep inner peace and joy regardless of circumstances. Um, and again, that last piece is pretty, pretty profound. Without connection to circumstances, in the North American church, Western church, because of our relative prosperity to the rest, to the rest of the world, and because of the freedom we live in and just the place that we live and all the blessings that we have, we can actually work hard at ordering our lives so that our circumstances are pleasant. You know, we can entertain ourselves. There was a lot of people kind of struggled in their life when they couldn't go to Cancun every winter. And you see them, their, their motorhomes were packed and sitting in their driveways to go to Phoenix for the winter, but they couldn't get across the border, so life came to an end. You know, we, we've built a life working our circumstances. But this point says nothing to do with that. Something that's deep inside, uh, not a, not, it comes out of a relationship, not the good life you can live. My first point underneath this is this, to know Bible truth. To have Bible truth in your system, in your mind, in your heart. You can stick it on your fridge, but you need it stuck in here. That I've got these scriptural realities, these scriptural truths and principles that I can say, the sky's falling in on me right now, but God, you said in your word, and you go there. Here, here's a couple of good examples of that. This would be the objective side of the spiritual discipline. Jeremiah 29.11, I love this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Well, I'm going through this bad moment, but God, you said, you said you had a plan for my life. And you said that plan is a good plan and that you're going to bring good in my life. And so when you've got that resource, you can, you can hang on to it. It's like a safety line. It's like a, a safety harness that it's got me. I've got this truth. It's my responsibility to take it in, though. I've got to know it. Jesus himself says this in John chapter 14. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. That's circumstantial peace. Jesus said, my peace is not like that. My peace literally comes from the heart of Christ into us. We have a scripture that says it, and so when, when I'm troubled and I'm afraid, as it says later, I'm not to be, I can look back and say, but Lord Jesus, you promised me. Peace. You know, the, one of my profound experiences of that was when my wife had major surgery years ago, and it, the surgery was bollocked up a little bit, and all of a sudden she began to get infected. She was going septic inside. It was not a good story. And we were there. There was an emergency second surgery, and my daughter and I were there, and my, you know, kind of hanging out in the waiting room while they're doing the surgery, and my daughter said, Dad, how... How can, you, how can you get through this? Because she was feeling great anxiety for her mom. And I had just phoned the church in Essence and said, Hey, you know, pray for us. I had peace. Because I knew he was there. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you my peace. He actually gave it. 
Isaiah chapter 43. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Boy, lower mainland BC, those dear folks, keep them in your prayers. That's a nightmare out there. That's, that's tragic stuff. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. When the flames, the flames will not set you abase. It sounds like BC in the summer and BC now. Fires all summer and flood, floods now. And it's, it's not good. It's, we need to keep those people in our hearts and help if you can. But I need to have that scripture in my memory bank so when I come to one of those trials of life it feels like you're in a river that's flooding or you feel like there's a flame burning around you, you can say, but God, you said, and I stand on that, you said, you'd be with me, you'd walk me through. I believe you're going to do that. We need to know those things. We need to stash them into our heart and mind. We need to memorize it and read it and meditate on it and get the meaning of it and have it inside. Psalm, uh, Psalm 119, I would just encourage you, just read the whole Psalm 119. It's long, so it, you've got to read for a while, but it's just full of references about standing on God's word again and again and again. And um, I love this one, Psalm 119, verse 11, and it, it speaks about everything I'm saying right now. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've taken your truth and I've stashed it inside. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Listen, I can't add to that work. I can't do anything to pay for my sins or to secure my salvation. But I do have responsibility as a child of God to take his truth and get it into my system. You know, whether it's coming out to Bible studies or studying or reading or taking courses, however you're doing it, reading your Bible every day, you know, time with it. But some people marathon in their Bible reading. I don't know if that's a good idea. Better to read a little bit and think a lot about it and say, God, show me what that says. Let me understand that, that I can put that in my heart. Um, all right, the second one, this is the this, this subjective side, and that's having this relationship with Christ that gives me joy and peace regardless of circumstances is to experience the presence of God. There's been songs we've sung this morning about that. Your, your presence is an open door. His presence is a door opener too. His presence, um, the pursuit of God, the seeking of God, uh, seeking his face. Um, and the Lord, Lord knows how busy we are, and it's hurting our Christian life. It is. It's true for all of us. We have a hard time finding the time to spend time with him. I would just say, we have a, an event that I attend on Tuesday evenings. Andrea is the one that leads it. And uh, it's kind of... I think I took it apart. <laughs> I like taking things apart. But this, this Tuesday night gathering, is, it's not very structured, intentionally. 
We pray, we stand here and we pray for Sunday mornings, we pray for the congregation, we pray for the sound people, we pray for the worship team, we pray for the preacher, Lord knows we need it. Um, we pray for all, we pray for the other ministries in the building that night, we pray for the youth ministry, we pray for the kids ministry, pray for the staff, pray for needs that we are aware of, but we also spend time just kind of wondering by ourselves and saying, Lord, I want to be with you. We've got this time right now. We just want to be with you. We want you to talk to us. We want to talk to you. We want to be in a relationship with you. And I just want to say that's not the only setting for that. I would say the best setting for that often is go by yourself completely. Just carve out some time and say, you and me, God. Just want to be with you. And, you know, I just want to say this, too. There was a Christian mantra that really echoed hard through the Christian church for a lot of years, and that is you can't live by your feelings. That's true, because lots of things affect my feelings. But to even assume that you can be in a relationship with someone who loved you so much that he did that, that you wouldn't feel that love, that's not true either. Of course there's feeling in Christianity. Of course there's passion in Christianity. It is a relationship that we've been brought into. Isaiah says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Isn't that kind of a teaser kind of verse? We know that God doesn't leave us and forsake us. He says, I'll never do that. That's his promise of his presence. I'll never leave you. But there's times like it's sort of like to me that God kind of says, Hey, what are you doing right now? Let's talk. It's like you and your child, you say, Let's come and sit with dad for a while. Let's, let's talk. You're never going to leave your kid, but there's times that you, you kind of come aside to a little bit different spot, and you, you connect, and you experience each other. G.S. McLean used to tell us, he said, if you're ever in that, he was a, a grand old mentor to many of us, he used to be the president of the Eston Bible College back in the day, he actually was the denominational leader for years, pastor of the Eston Church for 25 years, I think. A uh, man of high, high regard. I'm sorry that you didn't get to meet him. Uh, my life was forever changed by being around that guy, spending time with him. But he would say to us and to me and to anyone who would listen, if, if you're ever in a setting where God's presence seems to be close, drink deeply. Just say, yes, Lord, come. Talk to me. Hold me. Speak to me. Let me know you. It's a relationship. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says this, Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. And listen to this, For it is time to seek the Lord until, until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. In charismatic, no, they weren't charismatics, and they were just old school Pentecostals and holiness people, who are the forefathers of the modern sort of Pentecostal movements, they, you would hear a term that they would say, we're praying through. We're going to pray through. They'd go into a prayer meeting and they would stay in an attitude of prayer until they felt the victory of Jesus has come. We've prayed through. We need to do some praying through. Saying, Lord, I've got time to be with you. Do it in your car when you're driving. 
You know, wherever, wherever you can find the space, say, Lord, I've got time to be with you. I want to be close to you. I'm going to keep seeking you until I make a connection. I think that's a lost art for some of us. <clears throat> we, we don't know that we can actually do that, but you can. He welcomes it. You know, we, sometimes as parents, you play hide-and-go-seek. Grandparents like to do this. You play hide-and-go-seek with the kids, right? Okay, you guys go and count to 100. Pop-Pops is going to hide. And I'll go in the front room, and I'll get in behind the curtains, and it's, I'm invisible. Except, you know, I've got my shoes sticking out under the... Because <laughs> it's a game. I want them to find me, but I'm, I'm being coy and cute, and I'm hiding. Could it be that our Heavenly Father sometimes says, try to find me? That'll build a theology out of that. It'd be heretical. <laughs> but he loves you enough to say, come. Come and find me. I'm right here for you. I really want to be with you. But I want you to come out of your busy world, out of your busy cycles. We heard about tradition and religion. Come out and find me. Come out and find me. I want you to find me. In Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 10, I'm going to read that in just a moment. But that chapter starts with a, a unique thing about Jesus. He was, <clears throat> the disciples saw him often going away from everything and just going and being with him, with his father rather, and um, they saw the, the effect that had on him. He, it gave him power. Supernatural things could happen. It it seemed to bring him peace and comfort. It was a place where he found strength. And you say, well, but he was God. Yeah, he was. But he laid it all aside to do this. And he said, I'll live like a man, and I'll do my life just like you would, related to my father. They saw the benefit, and they said to him, they were a little bit jealous. They said, we want what you have. We see what that does to you. Teach us to do that. They said, teach us to pray. And then the Lord's Prayer came, our Father. But later in the chapter, in verses 9 and 10, he's still unpacking for them this, this thing about how to gain uh, peace and joy and grace in your life. Um, he says, uh, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Um, <clears throat> I think the microwave oven has done a lot of damage to most of us. Probably fried our insides and we didn't even know what was happening, you know, like... This thing is radiating food and making it boil, and you think it's having any effect on you, you know. Maybe that explains some of our behaviors. But, but I think the instant side of food prep has affected our spiritual journey. Oh, God, I want you right now. Okay, forget it. He said, seek me. Invest time and energy into seeking me. Wait for me. Wait on me. And I think it's very respectful for us as Christians to, and again, the, we have this choosing, I think, but anywhere, any way you can make it work, it's all good. But just say, Lord, 
I've got this time right now. I want to be with you. I want to connect with you. And just say, Lord, speak to me. Show me your face. Let me, let me know you. I pray that often. And I'm, I'm mixed up about the Trinity, so I pray it this way. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <laughs> I want to know you. I want to know you so well that when I get to heaven, I'm going to know you before you introduce yourself. Do you know, does that make any sense to you? I want to know you. Paul said it. He said at the end of his life, oh God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be close to you. Point number two, second major point number two. To walk with Jesus in such a holy way that it releases operational favor, blessing, and anointing on what he's asked us to do. One key part of our journey in this Christian life is to live a life of ever-increasing holiness and purity in our actions, our words, our behaviors, but I would say ultimately, most importantly, in here where no one else can see. Deep inside where no one can see. All of us can put on a facade. We can stick a banner in front of our life and we can put a mask on. <laughs> Look at all of you. No. If you become a preacher, you don't have to wear a mask. You know, just, oh, okay. Sask Health is probably watching. Be careful now. No, but Jesus, he says to us, clean in here. Psalmist said it when he got caught. He said, Lord, you desire truth in the inmost parts. You, you want me to be real inside. That's the great cry. There's a tragic story in the Old Testament <clears throat> When they're going into the promised land, they cross the Jordan River, and you know the story of Jericho. They took out the big fort, and just God just handed them the victory, and down it came. It collapsed. And a great victory, and, but God said, when they, before you go in there, he said, there's going to be some tempting treasures in there. I'm going to really paraphrase like crazy. Don't touch them. Don't take them. Leave them be. They're going to, they're going to appeal to you. You're going to want to have it, but don't. Just don't do it. Well, one guy did it. He took it bunch of treasure and he stashed it under his tent nobody knew it's all secret it's all good right wrong the next day there a day or two after the army gets together going to go and take out ai the next town and it's a little place and they said hey we don't even take the whole army let's take a couple of the troops and you know no problem we'll be back by lunch all done all good way they go shattering defeat got their butts kicked they come dragging back. They lost soldiers. Joshua's a wreck. He's God's abandoned us. You know, he's just in despair. And God said, listen, Joshua, get up off the ground. Quit your whining. I told you, don't do that. There is sin in the camp. And he said, I can't work with that. I, I can't go with you if you do that. If you disobey me, I can't. I love you. I'll be your God. But I can't go with you to the battle if you don't. Keep your heart right. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 5 and 6, there's no overhead for this. I didn't intend that. Overhead. <laughs> That's a little dated. Um, <laughs> it's not that funny. No. <laughs> but it says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as his son have you had the sting of that discipline? It's not punishment. It's discipline. 
Why? Because he wants us to live clean so we can do it right. When they did sort the issue out in Joshua's case, the next day they went to Ai or the, you know, went back again, complete victory. But sin couldn't be in the camp and have the presence. Psalmist David says this, and I would just say to the worship team, I'm heading for the finish line here. So um, Psalm 51, verse 10 to 13 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then listen carefully what's said next. Then, then, when my heart is right, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. I will anoint and empower you to do your work, to do God's work that he's called you to when you're right in here. And we heard this morning read to us, that person is like a tree planted by streams of living water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. When we get it right, and again, folks, this is not earning salvation. This isn't earning God's love. It's just us being obedient, saying, Lord, we're going to just yield our lives to you and follow you. We will walk with you. Make us clean on the inside. It's not legalism. This thing that I'm saying about getting this to live in a pure, not, not perfection, because that's not come yet, but be honest. Just say, God, I shouldn't have said that. I, sh- I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have acted that way. You know, I shouldn't have coveted that thing, whatever. You know, we all know what it is what's in the way. God says, listen, just, just get real with me about that. And there'll be blessing on you. You can be a person. We've seen this beautiful array of family here this morning. When we get those things right within our family and we live honest with God, there's a blessing on the family. There's a power on the family. God's peace is there. It's in a ministry. It's in a church. It's in a city. It's in a nation. It's not legalism. Let's get it right. Lord bless you. I'll be back to talk to you again. God bless.